This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, most gracious, most merciful. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. All praise is indeed due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. His household, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them, bless every one of us and grant us goodness and ease. My beloved brothers and sisters, we all would like to be truly the worshippers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We would all like to be from among those who earn Jannatul Firdaus and Paradise when we pass away in the hereafter. We would all love to have a life whereby we lead it such that it is easy for us during our stay here and it becomes easier as we close our eyes. We would be foolish if we spend our lives in a way that we're just worried about what type of a house we would have, what type of a car we would have, what type of food we would have without being concerned about the hereafter. So if we open the pages of the Qur'an, we will find in it divine inspiration. We will find in it that which will teach us what we're supposed to be doing and what we will achieve if we do what the Almighty has asked us to do. So I wish to share with you some qualities that are mentioned in the Qur'an. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant every one of us from these qualities. They are indeed termed as Sifat Ibadur Rahman, the qualities of the worshippers of the Most Merciful. Look at how Allah says Ibadur Rahman, the worshippers of the Most Merciful. Instead of saying Abdullah or Ibadullah, the worshippers of Allah or the worshipper of Allah. Allah says the worshippers of and then He uses a quality of His. What is that quality? The Most Merciful. Why? Because every one of us is searching for the mercy of Allah. Every one of us hopes for the mercy of Allah. I want the mercy of Allah. You want the mercy of Allah. And he is telling you that that mercy is achievable. You will achieve the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So don't despair and don't feel even for a moment that the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very far away from you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, remember... Allah's mercy is nearer than all of that. It is nearer than all of that. You only need to seek it and you only need to change your ways and habits by the will of the most merciful. He will grant you that beautiful mercy. My brothers, my sisters, listen to what Allah says. وَعِبَادُ الرَّحْمَنِ الَّذِينَ يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ هَوْنَا وَإِذَا خَاطَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا وَالَّذِينَ يَبِيتُونَ لِرَبِّهِمْ سُجَّدًا وَقِيَامًا وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا اصْرِفْ عَنَّا عَذَابَ جَهَنَّمْ إِنَّ عَذَابَهَا كَانَ غَرَامًا these are just some of the verses I will start off one by one explaining because these verses are telling you who are the true worshippers of the most merciful. The true worshippers of the most merciful are those whom, when they walk on earth, they walk with humility and humbleness. They have no arrogance and pride in them. Ask yourself, if I want to be a worshipper of the most merciful, if I want to achieve the mercy of the Almighty, I need to protect myself to begin with from pride from arrogance, from haughtiness, from this feeling that I am actually better, I am higher and the others are lower. So the first thing is, when you walk on earth, work, walk with humbleness, with humility. People see you, they should realize that, you know what? 
you are such a humble person you are so filled of hum with humility and you respect everyone you have a feeling for everyone it's not just about yourself rid your heart from pride or of that pride what is the pride when you despise people and reject the truth that is pride according to the hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and it says he will never enter paradise in whose heart is even a mustard seed's weight worth of pride. The minute you think that, you know what? The others are low. You despise them. That is what pride is. When someone comes to you with the truth and you know and recognize it and you reject it and you deny it and you don't want it, that is also pride. May Allah make us from among those whom when the truth comes to us, we can accept it. And may Allah make us from those who can respect all the others, all the others in a way that we free ourselves from pride. Amen. So the first point Allah says, the true worshippers of the most merciful are those whom when they walk, they walk with humility. When they go around, they, uh, they go around or they interact with people in the most humble manner. In the most humble manner. And then he continues to say, they are the ones whom when the ignorant address them, they don't engage in deeper discussion to multiply the ignorance and to cause a bigger problem, but rather they just say peace and they walk away. When the ignorant address the worshippers of the most merciful, these worshippers just say peace and they walk away. When someone wants to fight with you, when someone swears you, if you swear them back, you become equivalent. If someone has harmed you and you harm them back, what happens? You are equal. If you are a worshipper of the most merciful and you want the mercy of Allah, what you do when someone swears you, when someone tries to say something that really is unacceptable to you, you say salam and you walk away. You know that Allah will reward you for that. Yes, there is. There is and we, we shall know and we, we should understand that there is scope in Islam to defend yourself. There is scope in Islam if something is becoming beyond the limit. You can actually say, listen brother, don't do this. Or you might want to deal with it in a slightly different way. But from the beginning, right at the beginning, you stay away from those whom you know that they are just toxic people. They are, for example, those who only have bad words. You know that there is a problem here. Why do you want to go there? You know that there is going to be a difficulty here. Why do you want to engage them? You know, for example, that people are going to be vulgar. Why would you like to entertain that particular discussion? Try and be a person who understands how to talk to people. That's what the verse is telling you. How do you talk to people? Understand. Speak to them in the right way, in a way that will result in closeness to Allah and not a distance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling you that when the ignorant address you, you need to know how to react to them. May Allah make it easy for us to react in a proper way. But I believe more important than the reaction, my brothers, my sisters, is for me to ask myself, am I the problem? That's the question. Am I the problem? Sometimes we think, yes, you know, we are taught that when the ignorant greet you, you should just say salam and walk away. What if you're the ignorant one? It happens, right? What if you're the one causing all the problems? What if you're the one whose mouth is bad? Save yourselves. A mu'min, a true believer is not vulgar. A true believer is not disrespectful. A true believer uses the sweetest, purest, cleanest words coming out from his or her mouth. Remember this. May Allah grant every one of us improvement, myself included. You're a believer. You're a worshipper of Allah. You want the mercy of Allah. And you're still swearing. And you're still uttering bad words. You're troubling your brothers, your, your sisters, your parents, your, your uncles and aunts, your children sometimes. The way you talk to them is not the quality of a believer. Ask yourself, what am I doing? And I want every one of you to ask yourselves, including those standing at the top disturbing us with their phones. I want you to ask yourself, subhanallah. Would you be from among those? How do you talk to people? How do you react to people? Sorry, that was the quickest way of getting them to realize what they're doing. <laughs> Don't worry, we love each other for the sake of Allah. And I know it's only done because of the love for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So 
May Allah forgive me if I've hurt anyone's feelings, including theirs. Amen. But the reality is sometimes things need to be said. Say it in a polite way. Say it in a good way. You know, I want to say something. I might crack a joke out of it. But if you've learned the lesson, you know what is being said. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all love for His sake. May Allah make us from those whom when we speak, people listen because we don't attack. Because we don't use vulgar words. That is what Allah wants. Do you really think that Allah wants from you? To be loud and to scream and yell at people in such a way that they feel low and small, whether they are your family members or those you interact with, or even students or teachers, anyone that you interact with. Just remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, When the ignorant address you, you say salam. You don't be from among the ignorance to the ignorant to begin with, which means watch out how you speak. Ask yourself as a believer, is this speech acceptable? If it is Go for it. And every day, try and improve from the previous day. Try and become softer. Try and become more lenient. If you have a temper, for example, myself, many years back, I had a bit of a temper. Work on it. Work on it so much that, subhanallah, you extend it every time. First time, the fuse blew in five minutes. Next time, ten minutes. Next time, one hour. Next time, one day. Next time, two days. And I don't think anyone will keep pushing you for two whole days. I doubt it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us and grant us ease. So this is the beauty of Islam. The Quran is telling us the worshippers of the most merciful. These are their qualities. They watch what they say. They watch how they walk, how they interact. And then guess what happens? Now we're getting to a deep quality. The true worshippers of the Almighty are those who make sure that they pray. They fulfill their prayer unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They find themselves so much so that they go beyond just the compulsory prayer. But even that which is voluntary at night, they spend the nights while prostrating and bowing for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I want to be a worshipper of the most merciful. I want his mercy. I'm sure you all want the same. So ask yourself, do I spend any nights, any nights of the month or the year in bowing and prostration for Allah? I can tell you the answer. The answer is, inshallah, I'm going to get there. At the moment, I don't even know if I fulfilled my five daily prayers properly. Am I right? Subhanallah, we're too guilty for having said, yes, you're right. Because you know, I'll say, there you are. So may Allah make us strong. Say, Amin. Amen. May Allah make me strong with the five daily prayers. I, I tell you what, I shared this on Friday. I want to share it with you again. When you pray for the sake of Allah, Allah opens your doors. And if you don't pray for the sake of Allah, He may replace you. As He says in the Quran, he doesn't need you, you need him. He may replace you with others who will not be like you. I gave the example of West Africa. I went into one country and subhanallah, when I entered for Salatul Fajr, you might have heard me say this on a Friday, those who were there. The masjid was full. It was full just like how you're standing out there. We were out there and Adhan had not yet gone. We were still waiting for Adhan. And I told the brothers, what's happening here? And I was told, you know what? You want to get in for Salatul Fajr, you will have to come 20 minutes before Adhan. And I was shocked. I said, what? And I, I, I was weeping because I thought to myself, in these countries where the water is a distance of five kilometers in a river that is brought by a bucket and people struggle and it looks like tea at the beginning and then they boil it and make sure that they separate the sand from the water and so on. And these people are here 20 minutes prior to the Adhan already having filled the masjid. And we who have the new type of technology where the senses sense that our hands are under the taps and begin to let the water flow as pure as it could be such that we can actually drink that water but we are sleeping and snoring at that time is it not that perhaps Allah may have replaced us with others would you like to be replaced by someone if the answer is no get up enjoy the facility Allah has provided for you those countries where there is no electricity Today, you don't need to turn the light on. Wallahi. There is technology that you walk into the room, it senses you're there and the lights are on. Have you seen that? I'm sure it's in some of your homes. 
technology, you don't even need to turn the lights on. And those people, they need to light the candle, subhanallah. They need to light the candle. I remember getting into a country where I asked them for the internet. They said, yes, you are connected to the Wi-Fi. And I was connected, they gave me the password connected to somebody's phone and it was tethering. And I said, brother, I'm connected to the Wi-Fi, but there is no internet. He said, what do you mean? Don't you have Wi-Fi? I said, yes. He said, that's enough. I said, no, nothing's happening. You know? So he says, oh, let me find out. He made a call or two or three. And he told me, you know what? The network is down. I told him, okay, when is it going to come back? He says, maybe two or three days. <laughs> what? Two or three days, I'll be gone back home. Look at how spoiled we are. Subhanallah. If the network is not there for two or three minutes, while we're having a discussion with someone on WhatsApp, we become depressed. The blood boils. We become almost dead. We need to have medication. Because why? WhatsApp stopped for three minutes. Subhanallah. And then when Allah says, come for salah, we're not even bothered. We're still snoring. We're sleeping. Wallahi, my brothers and sisters, you have facilities. You have facilities that others don't have. But guess what? They are close to Allah. They struggle. They strive. They enjoy themselves in salah. And I, I promise you, I was fortunate enough to attend salah behind some of the imams there in some of the nations that I visited in West Africa. They take their time. They take their time. And I think to myself, back at home, subhanallah, in some places where we are, where it's a little bit better, subhanallah, the, the more facilities we have, the more we complain about this imam taking too long. They've never complained about the imam taking long. In fact, they enjoy it. And they come after salah, they spend time talking to each other for a while, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, and they, then they go away very happily. With us, we consider it a burden and a chore sometimes. I read five salah, but it's tough. It's tough because you know what? I've got to do this and do that. So let me quickly read my salah. I've said this sometimes. Listen, brother, I'll be back. Let me quickly read my salah. That word quickly is an insult. Think about it. Don't use it for salah. Say, brother, let me fulfill my salah. In fact, some people say, let me perform salah. Have you heard it? Salah is not a performance. Have you ever thought of it? It's not a performance. You don't perform it. Because it is genuine. You fulfill it. You establish it. Aqimu salah meaning establish the prayer. You don't have to just perform. You and I know in the English language, if I say he's performing, what does that mean? He's doing something that is, you know. Yes, exactly. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us ease. So we are fulfilling salah. I know if the word is used, people do mean it in a different context. But I prefer the word fulfill. Fulfill your salah. I'm fulfilling. It's a duty and I, it's an honor at the same time. So this is why Allah says, they are the true believers of the most merciful are those whom at night they enjoy the time in bowing and prostration for Allah. I am telling you before we get to enjoying ourselves at night bowing and prostrating for Allah in tahajjud, let's make sure that at least the five compulsory prayers are in order. Inshallah. Do we promise that we will do that? Inshallah, inshallah. My brothers and sisters, don't just say inshallah and then think like, you know, some people when you ask them something, brother, will you come? They say, yeah, inshallah. You know what that means, inshallah. The way he's made his face and his mouth, you know that he's not coming. Inshallah can mean yes and it can mean no. And then when he doesn't come, you say, but brother, you said you would come. He said, where did I say I would come? I just said, inshallah, if Allah wills and Allah did not will. Brother, before that you did not will, we, which meaning you were not even making an effort for it. So when we say, inshallah, let it be, yes, inshallah, I will. And then you are there for the next salah. And then you are there for the next salah, you make sure you fulfill it. Allah will open your doors. I promise you, Allah will grant you contentment. And this is why I've seen people in the same parts of West Africa, who don't have phones sometimes, they don't have some technology, they don't have added, as advanced stuff as we, as we have, but they're smiling, they're happy, they're enjoying themselves, they're, they're laughing and they, it seems like they have very few problems. The more we have, the bigger our problems become. You know what is the reason? Because we turn away from Allah as well. We have too much comfort. So now the bed is warm and the blanket and the duvet, the latest top quality, mashallah, controlled by temperature. You seen those blankets? You've seen those blankets? You actually put the blanket on and you, 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 you put your temperature there. And it maintains that temperature through the night. 
cool, subhanallah, or warm, depending on how you want it. It maintains the temperature through the night. And guess what? When, comes, when it comes the time of Salatul Fajr, if that blanket is going to make you sleep over Fajr, trust me, you don't need it. Trust me, you don't need it. It's a little bit too comfy for you. We want comfort in the world, but not at the expense of our comfort of the hereafter. Agree? We want comfort in the world. All of us want it. May Allah grant it to us in a way that we don't compromise the comfort of the hereafter. The more facilities you have, the more luxuries you have, the more easy your life has become. Learn to come closer to Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us that ease. So this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us that the true worshippers of the most merciful, they spend, they dedicate a portion of the night or part of the night for bowing and prostrating for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then they are worried about the hereafter. If I were to ask you, where would you like to go in the hereafter? What would you say? Let's hear it. Where would you like to go in the hereafter? Jannah, paradise. And you would not like to go to? Jahannam, hellfire. Aren't we all worried about hellfire? We're all worried. We don't want to burn and we don't want to be cast into hellfire. You ask any believer, he or she will tell you, pray for me, I don't want to be burned in hellfire. So Allah says, well, the true believers are those. The true believers constantly pray to Allah, Oh Allah, save us from the fire or from the punishment of the torment or the torment of hellfire. Save us from it for indeed it is painful, it is difficult, it is hard, it is something that we wouldn't want, etc. If you're a true believer, you always are conscious of where you would like to go when you die. That's the difference between a believer and one who doesn't believe. I'm a believer and we're all believers. That is why we said when we die, we want to go to Jannah. Okay, so if you'd like to go, for example, on a journey somewhere, you have a destination. For example, we're in Perth. You want to go to Sydney. Can you lie down in your bed and say, Oh Allah, take me to Sydney. And you say, Oh Allah, every day, Oh Allah, take me to Sydney. Oh Allah, take me to Sydney. If someone hears you say that every day, they say, you need medication. <laughs> Why? You're cuckoos. Subhanallah. That's what they'll tell you. You need help. You're saying, oh Allah, take me to Sydney, but you're doing nothing. You're on your bed. You need to get up, do something about it. You need to walk towards the direction. At least get onto the road and ask for a lift if you want some free lift. I don't know the law here, but in a lot of countries, they would stop and give you a lift and say, come. They call it hiking. Some countries that's prohibited, but you need to do something about it. We understand this when it comes to a city or a place we want to go to on earth. But when we want to go to paradise, we just sit in our beds. Oh Allah, grant me paradise. Oh Allah, protect me from Jahannam. But you're still lying down on your bed. Time for Salah came, it clocked in, clocked out. And you still say, oh Allah, save me from Jahannam. Save me from Jahannam. Oh Allah. Allah says, hang on. You need to at least show something, do something, prove that you want it really. Get up and start hiking towards Jannah and then you get it. How do you hike towards Jannah? Fulfill your prayer, fulfill your obligations unto Allah and Allah will open your doors. Try. Allah gives you a reward based on your intention and your trial. You're trying. Why both intention and trial? Because when you intend something, to actually confirm that the intention is true, you would need to try. You would need to work towards it. You may not achieve completely the, the item you would like. But say for example, a person says, I want to go and catch Salat al-Jama'ah in the masjid. So he gets up on time and he takes his car and he drives. Something happens on the way and he doesn't make it. Allah gives him a reward of having read that Salah was Jama'ah because he, he had the intention and he tried. But if you only have an intention, it could be such a weak intention that perhaps it might not be considered a true intention if it's not coupled with the effort. I'll give you an example. A person in bed saying, I intend to go to the masjid. But he didn't set his clock for the time. He didn't get up or he, he was awake and he didn't get off his bed. I intend. And then he says, well, Allah is powerful. If Allah wants this intention to be fulfilled, Someone will come and collect me from my bed. Subhanallah. That doesn't happen. 
It doesn't happen when it comes to good deeds. You need to try hard. When it comes to your dress code, you need to try hard. When it comes to fulfilling the Quran or reading the Quran or understanding or attending lessons, you need to try, make an effort, do something. It's become easy today. Touch off a few buttons and guess what? You're already learning so much. Subhanallah. You know how to use your phone and technology. Some people are using it to head it towards the wrong direction. Whereas a lot of us are trying to use it to head towards the right direction. May Allah make it easy for all of us. Amen. So Allah says, those are the worshippers of the most merciful. They spend or they ask Allah. Oh Allah, protect us from hellfire. وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا أَنفَقُوا لَمْ يُسْرِفُوا وَلَمْ يَقْتُرُوا وَكَانَ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ قَوَامًا Another quality of those worshippers of the most merciful is when they spend, they don't waste, nor are they stingy, nor do they hold back, but they know how to strike a balance in spending. My brothers, my sisters, look at the mercy of Allah. He's telling you, if you're a true worshipper of mine, you're going to know how to spend money. You're going to know that money is actually an amana. It's a trust entrusted to you. You worked hard to earn it. You cannot do something wrong to get it. You need to do something correct to get it. So we reward you when you earn it. And we will reward you again when you spend it. If you were to earn it and spend it in the right direction. In the correct way. So I cannot say, right, I'm earning a thousand dollars a week, for example. I can blow it as and when I wish. I will do what I want. So I spend it on anything and everything. No. Allah says, you know what? Don't waste and don't be a person who is miserly. Strike a balance in the middle. You will be a true worshipper of the most merciful. Why? Because you have understood that sustenance is a gift from Allah. Entrusted to me. I need to use it in a way that I have a bit of comfort as a result on earth. And I ensure my comfort in the hereafter. That's what money is there for. If I'm going to spend my money in a way that I've ensured comfort on earth. So I bought myself a beautiful car. I did everything that was, you know, relaxing for me and soothing. But I forgot about Allah. How did that money help you? How did it help you? You need to be charitable. You need to know how to give, when to give, who to give to, how much to give. All those are qualities of the true believers. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues. He says, the true worshippers of mine. He's mentioned three qualities in the same verse. He says, the true worshippers of the most merciful are those who do not associate partners with Allah. They worship Allah alone by right. That should have been the first quality, right? But Allah started with the issue of arrogance and pride. And then he only mentions this later on, although it is of prime importance. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala draws our attention to the fact that your character and conduct plays a very big role in pleasing Allah. Remember that. In pleasing Allah. Some people fulfill salah. They really, they fulfill their salah as though they want to read 10 prayers a day. Not just five, 10. But when they walk out, they swear this one, shout that one. They talk in such a rough way. Wallahi, my brothers, my sisters, that would be indicative of the fact that there is something wrong with your prayer, with your intention, with your sincerity. When you are close to Allah, it should soften you. When you are close to Allah, it should make you a person who has a heart filled with softness, with goodness, with mercy. You are a merciful person because you are close to Allah. That's a sign. So in these verses, Allah says, those who don't associate partners with Allah, meaning you worship Allah alone. And those who do not commit murder, they don't kill people. Allah gave life. Who are you to take that life away when Allah gave that life? So if you perpetrate murder, you cannot call yourself the worshipper of Allah. You cannot call yourself the worshipper of the most merciful because you took life away from the owner of that life. If he wanted, he could have taken it away. Why did you take it away? Allah gave it and Allah takes away. 
Doesn't he? When he knows it's right, he will take it away. So who gave you the right to take that life away? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a deep understanding. And then Allah says, yaznoon, The true worshippers of the Almighty are those who don't commit adultery, fornication, immorality. They don't engage in it. They are the true worshippers of Allah. And this is from the beginning, from the deeds that will be considered low, right up to the action of adultery itself. All of this is included in this term. And you know what? Someone might think, you know, I've fallen in the past. I've done bad. Perhaps some might have fallen into adultery or fornication. People may have done something that they are not proud of anymore. They want to turn back to Allah. So immediately after mentioning that, Allah says, if you have done it, you will be punished. Uh oh, oh, oh. Why am I saying that? Because sometimes it makes us a little bit hopeless to think, you know what? If I've made a mistake in my past, I want to change. But Allah is saying, if you've done it, you'll be punished. And you'll be punished more. That's what Allah says. But guess what? Allah's mercy is such that immediately He says, إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ وَآمَنَ وَعَمِلَ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا فَأُولَٰئِكَ يُبَدِّلُ اللَّهُ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ حَسَنَاتٍ there is an exception of those who repented to Allah. Those who turned back to Allah, they changed their ways after having been bad. They changed their ways and habits and they became better people and they did good deeds thereafter. They changed their lives. Allah says, for you, we will take those sins, we will convert them into good deeds and put them on the right side of the scale. I tell you something, my brothers, my sisters, if a person's committing adultery and nothing's stopping them and one day they realize, you know what, what I'm doing is wrong. The only thing that's stopping them is the consciousness of Allah. So they stay away, they seek Allah's forgiveness and they know this option is available but I don't want to do it because I am conscious of my maker. I'm worried about where I'm going to go after I die. Allah says, you know what? We love your action so much. We love your repentance so much. We love the fact that while you were able to sin, you stopped it, you pulled back and you held back. You deserve such a big reward that whatever the weight of your bad deeds were, we now put them on the right side of the scale and we make it into good deeds because you are trying so hard. Wow. When Allah said the worshippers of the most merciful, He definitely displayed His mercy by telling this to us. I always give the example of someone you owe money to. Say I owe you a million dollars, Australian dollars, right? I owe you a million and I come to you and I say, I don't have the million. I'm very, very sorry. What are the chances of you saying, ah, it's okay, you can have it, you can keep it. What? A million bucks? Your son will say, no dad, give it to me. Subhanallah, a million bucks, a million dollars, no way. What if someone says, you know what? I'm so sorry, I don't have your million, please forgive me. And do you think you would ever say, no problem, keep that million and here's another million, take it and go. You would think that man is crazy. I would say, hey, I, wish that, I wish I owed him about 10 million. Why? Because then he would have given me another 10. I should have asked him for 10 at the beginning, you know. Allah is the only one who's so merciful that when you say, I'm sorry, he says, you know what? I wipe it out. Not only that, whatever bad you did, I'm going to convert it into good, give it back to you on the scale, and I'm going to say, for you is Jannah. According to another verse in Surah Al-Baqarah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how those who have perpetrated sin and immoral behavior, those who've done immorality, Allah says, well, if they remember Allah and turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah grants them forgiveness and goodness, and then Allah gives them Jannah and paradise. Wow, that gives me hope. I am the worshipper of the most merciful. Guess what? After I have sinned, I will turn to Allah with hope. And I know when I ask Allah's forgiveness, He will never ever reject that for as long as I'm genuine. Look at the mercy of Allah. Look at how He's teaching us to have hope. Because we all falter. We are human. Allah knows that. But Allah loves it when you seek forgiveness. Allah loves it when you seek forgiveness. If you have sought forgiveness and for some reason, after a while, shaitan came to trap you again and he ensnared you. Trust me, turn back to Allah again quickly. He will forgive you again. 
And if he did it a third time, he will forgive you a third time. For as long as you continue seeking forgiveness genuinely, without planning the sin during your forgiveness. Like some people say, oh Allah, I'll never do it again. But in your mind you say, mm, I don't know about that one. You, know? you say, oh Allah, I'll never do it again. That's it, stop and pause and it's over. And then after a month or two, maybe shaitan might come and temper, fight him, tackle him. Like I say, bash him in his face. Subhanallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him ease. That's shaitan, the devil. You cannot allow him to overtake you. You need to make sure that you tackle him. But if he succeeds over you, still go back to Allah. You see, shaitan can entrap you for, for 50 years. Shaitan can entrap you for 50 years. For how long? 50 years. One tear of repentance to Allah and it's wiped out. He becomes irrelevant. Look at the mercy of Allah. Ibadur Rahman. The worshippers of the most merciful. Now do you know why he calls himself the most merciful? No one can compete with Allah in mercy. You cannot. That's why when people know and realize who is going to take account on the day of judgment, they become a little bit more at ease. Hey, that's going to be the most merciful. It's okay, inshallah, he'll have mercy on me. He's the most merciful. If you and I had to take accounts of each other, I think we wouldn't even be hopeful. But this is Allah. He's going to take account. So I'm happy because I know He's merciful. I know He's loving. I know He's kind. I know He's compassionate. I know His names and qualities. Yes, I do know that if I did not repent, then only I have something to worry about. So turn to Allah. And this is why Allah says that, وَمَن تَابَ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا فَإِنَّهُ يَتُوبُ إِلَى اللَّهِ if you were to turn to Allah, Allah accepts your tawbah. Those who turn to Allah, they do good. Allah accepts that fully, completely, wholly. It's accepted. Never ever let the devil come to you and make you think that I am not fit for the mercy of Allah. That itself is a sin. When Allah tells you don't lose hope in my mercy and you are losing hope in his mercy, you have committed a grave sin that is an insult to Allah. Allah himself is telling you don't lose hope. You're losing hope. How? How can you insult Allah? Keep on reading the verse and tell Allah, Oh Allah, I will never lose hope because you told me not to lose hope. So I know I'm going to Jannatul Firdaus. Keep on reminding yourself. I'm trying hard. I know I'm going to Jannatul Firdaus. I might not have a guarantee, but I have a Lord who's more merciful than my own mother. I might not have a guarantee, but I have a Lord who's more merciful than the mothers of the whole world put together. Subhanallah, how merciful is a mother to the child? How merciful are all the mothers on earth to their children? They can never be more merciful than my maker, Ar-Rahman. None of them are called Rahman, not one of them. It's only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So have hope in the mercy of Allah and Allah will bless you. Allah will grant you goodness. Then Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَشْهَدُونَ الزُّورَ وَإِذَا مَرُّوا بِاللَّغْوِ مَرُّوا كِرَامًا The true worshippers of the Almighty are those who don't like to bear false witness. They don't bear witness in a false way. Sometimes people lie and sometimes they lie under oath. If you're a true worshipper, you will neither lie under oath or even if it is not under oath. Your tongue is the purest thing you have. Your tongue is the purest thing you have. You say something, it is truthful. You say something, it is upright. Don't bear false witness. Why? If you bear false witness, you have stolen the right of someone. You have usurped something that belongs to someone else because you have borne false witness. If that was the case, then how can you expect the mercy of the Almighty? You have wronged a fellow human being with that false witness of yours. So stay away from it. Seek the forgiveness of Allah for that. And I know when people bear false witness and with that they have taken the right of someone, it comes back to haunt them. It comes back at some stage, whether it's in your health, your wealth, your children, whatever else, it will come back to you. It has to swipe at you because your sin was not perpetrated solely against Allah, 
but you perpetrated the sin against another person who is not as forgiving as Allah. They may not forgive you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us forgiveness and may those whom we may have oppressed also forgive us. Learn to forgive others, Allah will forgive you. By the will of Allah, try to forgive. It's as difficult as anything. But if you try to forgive others, you will find Allah will forgive you and Allah will grant you contentment. Many times we hold a burden on our shoulders. We haven't forgiven. We haven't let go of something. And years pass and we feel so, so burdened. Our shoulders are always stiff. We feel the neck is stiff because we are holding so much. When you release it, you actually can stand straight once again. Release it. Say, oh Allah, for your sake, I've forgiven them. It's over. Whether they know or they don't know is besides the point. For as long as between you and Allah, Allah knows. I've forgiven them as difficult as it was. You will find the mercy of Allah come in your direction. So this is what Allah says. لا يشهدون الزور The true believers, they don't bear false witness. And when they pass through something futile, they don't waste their time. People are talking in our language a load of rubbish. Okay? If, if you're passing people and they're talking a lot of rubbish about this one and that one and they're you know, passing comments, you don't waste your time. It's futile. It's unnecessary. You walk away. You walk away. Do something constructive with your time, in other words. Do not do something destructive and don't waste your time. Your days should count. Don't waste your time. If you waste time, you have wasted your day. It's a day where you could have built. Imagine you want to build your house of the hereafter, but you're telling the builder, hang on, today we're all putting our tools down and we can wait and relax. Is that what you would do? I asked a builder earlier this morning here in Perth that how long would it take to build a house here, an average home? He told me, well, if you really have everything in order, it will take you perhaps 10, 12 weeks. Wow, you guys are lucky. Back at home, we take two, three years. Subhanallah. 10, 12 weeks. Now imagine after 3-4 days you put your tools down. Say guys, go on holiday. Say why? Just relax. Come back after a few days. For our palace in the hereafter, we do that sometimes because we are not consistent in our deeds. One day we read salah, the next day we don't. One day we obey Allah's instruction, the next day we don't. What did we do? You put your tools down. You might not have more days to live, my brother, my sister. You might not have a long time to go. So make every day count. Today, what did I do? How many good deeds did I do? One, two, three, four, five. Oh Allah, accept them from me. How many bad deeds did I do? One, two. Oh Allah, forgive me. And you carry on to the next day. You achieved. So make sure that your days are not the same. Make sure today is better than yesterday and tomorrow shall be better than today. By the will of Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant that to us. وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِّرُوا بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ لَمْ يَخِرُّوا عَلَيْهَا The true believers, the true worshippers of the most merciful are those whom when they are reminded of the verses of Allah, when they are given a reminder, they don't turn a blind eye or a deaf ear, but rather they take heed. They are happy that I've been reminded. Today we're talking about fulfilling our prayers and so many other things. Do you feel hurt? Do you feel bad? Do you feel sad? Why am I being told? No, you should be grateful to Allah. Oh Allah, I'm thankful to you. I've got a reminder. I'm feeling motivated. I'm feeling good. I'm going to do something about it. You will only achieve if you thank those who correct you when you are wrong. If you don't like people to correct you, how will you achieve? Imagine children coming to school and one plus one, they say it's equal three. Subhanallah. And when the teacher says, no, it's two. Hey, hey, who are you? Don't tell me. Who are you? You cannot do that. It's absurd, isn't it? We do that, but in a different way. Someone tells you, brother, you are wrong. You say, hey, who are you to, t- to, t- to stop judging? That's a word that we use a lot of the times. Stop judging me. My brothers, while we should be careful, my sisters, be very careful about judging others. Don't be demeaning when you correct them. At the same time, accept advice and don't call it a judgment. If I tell you, brother, you know, mashallah, when you're fulfilling your prayer, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. Hey, stop judging me. I didn't judge. I'm only correcting you. I'm only telling you, I'm advising you. That's it. I didn't say this. I didn't say you're a bad person. You know, your salah is rejected. It's not going to be accepted. That is judging. 
But I'm advising you in a beautiful way. My brother, mashallah, you enter the masjid, try and be conscious, try and enter with the right. It might be a small thing, but it's a great reward, you know. And just say the dua, Allahumma ftahli abwaaba rahmatik, oh Allah. Open for me the doors of your mercy. You'll find the doors of mercy opening for you. When you enter the masjid, that's a dua. And that dua does not have to be read only when you enter the masjid. Throughout your life, say the dua, Allahumma ftahli abwaaba rahmatik. Oh Allah, open for me the doors of your mercy. Keep saying that if you want. And you notice how the doors of the mercy of Allah will be opened. But when someone reminds you and corrects you, you take the advice. Thank you so much for advising me. I appreciate it. And then you don't get up and stand how I am and say, Brother Yunus, you know you've been drinking for the last 12 years. Would you give it up please? This is not the way to do it. Sorry, I hope there's no Yunus where I'm pointing. <laughs> but you know what I mean? That is not advice. That is insulting someone. That is really wrong. Totally wrong. The Prophet ﷺ gave advice in such a way that the people felt good. They felt like they wanted to change. They didn't feel like they were insulted and made to be looking small. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us ease. So Allah says, true believers are those whom when they are reminded, they take heed. And then I want to make mention of one more point here. Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا هَبْ لَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا قُرَّةَ أَعْيُنْ وَجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا أُولَئِكَ يُجْزَوْنَ الْغُرْفَةَ بِمَا صَبَرُوا وَيُلَقَّوْنَ فِيهَا تَحِيَّةً وَسَلَامًا Allah says the true believers are those who are worried about their children and family members. The true believers are those who are concerned about their children and family members. They pray for them saying, Oh Allah, bless us with pious offspring. Those who will be the coolness of our eyes from among our wives and children. Subhanallah. And make us the leaders of the righteous. Allah says those are the ones whom we will give paradise. Those are the ones whom we will give paradise to. How many of us, we have family members? How many of us, we have family members, but we don't spend time with them? We're at work, when we come back from work, we're on the phone. And then we want to have whatever little food is there, here and there, perhaps a sandwich or two, whatever else, we have an attitude. Why? Because I went to work. Hey, hey, cool it, man. You went to work, it doesn't mean you need to come back and start behaving like... Subhanallah, I don't even want to say what. You cannot do that. You have to come back and remember Allah blessed you. Other people don't have children. May Allah bless them all with children. Pray for them. And you know what? When people don't have children, don't ask them, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? That is the most insulting question. Did you know that? It is so hurtful. Perhaps they are trying and they cannot have the kids. And you busy asking them as though, you know, they are in charge of it. Subhanallah. Don't ask people personal questions of that nature. Rather make a dua. May Allah bless you. You know, when I say sometimes, may Allah bless you. In my mind, I mean with whatever you want to be blessed with, inshallah. For as long as it's halal, by the way. You know. May Allah bless you. Wallahi, whatever it is you're going through, I don't know. But I have an opportunity to make a dua for you. May Allah bless you. May Allah grant you. May Allah grant you ease. May Allah grant you success and goodness. These are duas that should be on our tongues. You never know when is the moment of acceptance. Perhaps the angels might say, Ameen to that dua. And suddenly you have triplets. Allahu Akbar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless those who don't have offspring with offspring. Ameen. But when you do have the offspring, when you do have family, appreciate your spouse. Sit and look at them. And get a rose. I can teach you something. Get a rose, right? Not to give them, but get a rose. So you're looking at the rose, and you look at your spouse. Look at the rose. Look at your spouse. Look at the rose a third time. Look at your spouse. And throw the rose away and give your wife a kiss. Subhanallah. And tell her, you know what? I looked at the rose. It's nothing. Man, subhanallah taught you something today, right? Subhanallah. That's an act of worship. Why? You make someone feel important and special. Very important. What did you do? You showed them something. I see some of the elderly are blushing. 
My brother, my uncle, if you haven't done it yet, trust me, your life will only start tonight. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. May Allah bless us all. May Allah grant us ease. I said it for a purpose. We are lacking love in our marriages. We are lacking affection in our marriages. We are lacking giving importance to our spouses, making them feel like they are really very important. Your children, when have you made them feel important? When have you spent a weekend with them? When have you spent the evening with them, coming to them and telling them, you know what, I'd like to come early because I want to have the meal with you. Wait for me, please. Wow. We need help. Here is a verse of the Quran telling you, when you are concerned about your family members, your offspring, you are a true worshiper of Allah. How many of us are true? Some people, like I said earlier, they will pray five times a day, maybe more than five. Even the voluntary, they will include it. But with their family members, zero. Relationship is zero. Brother, sister, you need help. You need a lot of help. You want to be a good Muslim close to Allah? Charity begins at home. You need to start off with your family members. You build a family, you will build the community and the nation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. And this is why at the end Allah says, the people who are concerned about all these points that we mentioned today, in these verses that I read to you, Allah says, those are the ones who will get paradise. And I want to tell you, not only paradise, even on earth, you'll have a lovely life. I mean, what I said today, or everything I've explained, you adopt it, you'll have a beautiful life. You know how to spend, you know how to speak, you know how to interact, you stay away from sin, etc. You have a good life. You'll have a lovely life. You know how to treat your wife, obviously. Your wife is your life, subhanallah. And your husband. I know the men look at me sometimes and grinding their teeth. Like, you know what? It's not just us. It's even them. Whoever it is, both of us, subhanallah. We need to actually give and take. That's what it's all about. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. The end of this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Those people are the ones who will be achieving a place in paradise known as Al-Ghurfa. A very lofty place in paradise. If you fulfill these qualities, may Allah make it easy for us. They will be greeted with salam, with peace. The angels will greet them and welcome them and congratulate them. May we be from among those. Aqulu qawli hadha wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah bihamdik, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayka.